This is Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield, a podcast that resources families and friends with tools to have important conversations about mental and emotional health. This show is sponsored by Mayfield Counseling Centers, helping you find clarity, hope, and purpose. Here's your host, Trevor Sheeran. Thank you for joining us on Candid Conversations. We are so glad to be joining you again. Uh, And today is a bit of a heavy and important topic. So if you've got kids in the car that maybe are, what, 13 years, 12 years, 11 years or younger, maybe wait. Yeah. Yeah. Or listen with them and have some discussions. Or listen, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be too explicit. We're going to try to make this conversation a little bit uh, of an equipping tool for anyone really who's yes. able to have a conversation. The topic for today is how to talk to somebody who is suicidal and a little shameless plug that, uh, if you want a step-by-step guide on this, um, in a couple months, hopefully in a couple months, it's all done. I just mm-hmm. need to get out there. My, my, uh, ebook will be coming out on this very topic and you can find it at mayfieldcounseling.com or also uh, our new website, my new website. Why am I saying our, I'm talking in like, you know, collective persons here. It's the Royal We. <laughs> the Royal We. Uh, drmayfield.com will be launching in probably about three weeks and there'll be links to that on there too. But I think it's, so listen today, have conversations. Uh, but, uh, I, I think also it's going to be really important to have something in in hand. Yeah. Uh, And just to denote as well, after listening to this podcast, you are not an expert and you don't get to just go around and find everybody who has suicidality and solve their problems. That's not what we're here to do. We want to make sure that if you are in a situation where you are talking to somebody who is saying, I want to kill myself, I want to go drive off of Pikes Peak or something that you feel like, you know what to do in that situation to get them help and to make sure that they're safe. Right. And it's interesting. Uh, I was talking to, uh, to my wife yesterday and we are part of this co-op, uh, for homeschooling. And it was interesting how many people, uh, at the co-op, you know, pulled her aside to have conversations about this kind of stuff because it's, uh, and, and she goes, I'm not a counselor, you know, I'm right. married to one, but, but I think, uh, because she's been equipped just be through osmosis, being a part of this new Mayfield counseling team for so long and those kinds of things. Um, she was able to walk people through it. Not, not that anybody that she was talking to last yesterday was suicidal, but they had people, friends, right. neighbors, you know, uh, cousins that were struggling and what do I do? Yeah. And so I think as a lay person, uh, we need to know these things. And if you're just walking around on the streets and somebody comes up to you, like that's a big, scary situation. Yeah. But if you have a conversation beforehand where it's like, okay, this is the number that you can give them. This is the context that you can help them reach out how to help them do that. It can make it far less scary, even though it will continue to be scary and it should, cause sure. it's a dangerous oh, it is. situation, but, uh, keeping it to a level where you at least feel competent enough right. to engage in that conversation. Well, and I think one of the things that we can do, uh, on our link when we, when we post this uh, on YouTube and on uh, Facebook through the is, is to have a, a basic resource list. Mm-hmm. I think every family, just like, you know, when you go off and you have a babysitter, right, you tell them what restaurant you're going to. And, mm-hmm. you know, now, back when I was a kid, it was what restaurant I'm going to, what time we're going to be there because, you know, we didn't have cell phones. Now, right. now, here's my cell phone number. If something happens, just text me, call me. You know, here's the doctor's number. Here's the emergency number. We, we prep ourselves for those kinds of things. We don't prep ourselves for this kind of stuff. Yeah. And with the state of... Uh, our mental wellness and health in 
um, Colorado and just in the United States. I think it's it's a necessary thing that we need to have now yeah. as a, a, a equipping of, oh, my neighbor kid can't talk to their parents, but they came to me and told me that they're suicidal. Mm-hmm. Crap. Like, mm-hmm. what do I do? And that's why we're having this conversation. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit about the origins of this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that there are more than two sides, but two sides that immediately come to mind. The side of somebody coming and saying, hey, I want to kill myself. Help me. Right. And then the side of a person who maybe three, as I'm talking about, it, <laughs> who uh, doesn't say anything. Sure. And then I think there's another that we often seem to kind of just pass over because it's an uncomfortable conversation where somebody might be making jokes or teasing about, Oh, I want to die. Like this is the worst. (laughs) I'm just going to kill myself. And, and it's said in a joking manner, but the way we can approach those conversations is to pull them aside afterwards in a safe place and ask like, Hey, you were making these jokes and I just want to check in on you. Like, are you okay? Like, I know you were joking, right. but is there something serious to those jokes? Yes. And that's that's a good question to right. ask. So I think number one, you've alluded to it, is that when somebody makes a comment, period, mm-hmm. we take it seriously. Mm-hmm. We don't brush it off. We don't uh, laugh with them. We don't uh, just dismiss it. Yeah. Uh, I think we need, to, we need to really lean into, uh, okay, we don't joke about that. What's really going on? Or, hey, I've noticed, you know, you're not isn't happy as you used to be or things go, you know, I mean, not, uh, I think a lot of times we find that there are people in circles around individuals that have died by suicide that they're like, I should have asked, yeah. or I wish I would have asked, or I wish I would have noticed. And, and yes, it is a, a scary concept, Very. Uh, but I was telling some parents the other night, the alternative is scarier. Mm-hmm. So lean into yeah. the com- uncomfortability on that. Totally. And, so let's dive in a little bit. We have that conversation, whether it's somebody coming to you and saying, Hey, I want to kill myself or being distant and you approach sure. them or them joking and you approach them. They say, yeah, I am seriously considering killing myself. Uh, what's the next well, step of that conversation? This seems mechanical, but if, if parents want to, or people want to have something that they can follow, I would encourage them of Googling the Columbia suicide uh, mm-hmm. severity rating scale uh, just to have as a guide because it does. It asks you questions. Um, there's also a resource that we can give you too. It's uh, not geared so much towards um, the layperson, but it's uh, it's a suicide assessment um, by Crossweight Counseling Services up in Denver. Uh, we got to meet them a couple weeks ago at a conference, and it's it's a you know a step by step drop down menu on a, a computer a tablet. But I think the next conversation is, you know, asking them, or the next com- question is asking them, um, do you have a plan? Mm-hmm. Right? So are, you know, don't be afraid to ask, are you suicidal? And if they say yes, or do you want to kill yourself? Because sometimes kids are like, oh, suicidal, what do you mean? Like, right. I want to die. Okay, you want to die. Or as the Columbia says it, have you ever thought about doing something that would cause you to no longer be alive? Right, right. I mean, so however you want to ask that, yeah. you know, but not being afraid to ask that. And then the next com- the question is, is so, you know, do you have a plan? Tell me about your plan. Mm-hmm. And if they say, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to 
take a rope or I'm going to find my parents' gun or I'm going to take a bunch of pills or I'm going to you know, drive home and, and try to hit the media. I mean, whatever that might be, now they, okay, they have a plan. So just because somebody wants, and this is where we need to make a, a distinction, just because somebody says they want to die doesn't mean necessarily that they're actively suicidal. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we uh, make that assumption. Now, again, don't just mi- dismiss the... Right, if they uh, say I have a plan or they don't have a plan, that doesn't that doesn't mean that the conversation's over. Oh, you're good. Go ahead and have fun. Exactly. It's if I want to die, but I don't have a plan, the next step would be, okay, let's find if it's, if you're a neighbor or a friend, let's go find a trusted adult, a parent, a teacher, a school counselor, somebody that we can go talk to, to share how you're feeling. Yep. Youth pastor, whatever that might look like. Um, if it's your own kid. Okay. Thank you for sharing with me. Like, and then speak love, speak value into them. Which is so vital. I've, I, I haven't been working very long as a therapist. I'm still well, you're in my experience though too. But I have spoken to so many clients recently who have talked about how they approach their parents asking like, hey, are you proud of me? And, or doing some sort of test of like, hey, I want you to respond to me in love and kindness. Right. And when they don't, that's their decision. Like, okay, great. I am going to go kill myself. And and so much more important when somebody approaches and says, hey, this is what I'm doing. If I'm self-harming, right. I want to kill myself. And being able to respond in a loving and caring way that says, thank you for sharing that with me. I love you. I want good things for you. I want to support you. I want to join with you in well, this process. Don't try to fix it or give advice in that moment. Yeah. Cause that's going to push them away too, but it's more of the, Oh man, that sucks. Right. Tell me why you're thinking that way. Tell me why you feel that way. Really being curious in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, Some of that reflective listening we talked about a while ago. Right. So just to be clear, somebody comes to you, kid or otherwise and says that they want to kill themselves, the next question you need to ask is, tell me about your plan. Do you have a plan? Because if they don't, then we'll take you down this path. Yes. If they do, um, it's a whole different thing. I mean, it's it's immediate action. It's, okay, uh, we need to, to find a counselor. Yeah. We need to call a suicide prevention hotline. We need to um, get you into the hospital yeah. because uh, most individuals that have a plan already know they have the means mm-hmm. and the means is, well, I want to go you know, drive and hit the median. Well, they, they can't get in the car, yeah. right? Cause they have a car. That's right. their means. Uh, I, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm going to use a gun and, and, and kill myself. Well, you know, or maybe, if you know that they have an allergy to peanuts and they say, I have a jar yeah. of peanut butter in the right. car, gonna, yeah. like, that's right. means as well. And I think there's a big di- difference that we need to make too, between crisis and emergency, which is some of what you're talking about. Sure. Somebody comes and says they don't have a plan that may fit better under crisis where right. things have gotten to a point where their normal functioning has been affected right. and a crisis could last up to, you know, six weeks, six months. Like it's not, it's not a forever, but it is a longer amount of time. Whereas an emergency is not only are we probably in crisis, but if we don't do something right now, there's some detrimental consequences. Yes. Yeah. That's a good distinction. Crisis would be, okay, do you have a counselor? No, let's go find one. Yeah. Right. Have you talked to your youth pastor? No, we probably should do that right now. Have you talked, you know, you told your parents, do you have some friends or trusted adults? Right. And it's, and it's coming up with kind of that 24 hour to 40 hour game plan of, okay, how can we keep you safe? for the next 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. And that's where you don't need to do that on your own. You need to figure right. out people. Here's where it gets sticky, though, when it becomes an emergency. 
we need to go get you evaluated at the hospital. No, I'm not going. Well, uh, your safety is more important right now than anything else, so you're going to call the 911. Yep. You know, you're gonna, or if you're on the phone, you can text 911. Yep. Yes, that's a big distinction. Uh, there have been times when I've been on the phone with a, a counselor and they're on another phone yeah. <laughs> with somebody, you know, the, the authorities calling a wellness check. One of the things that we don't realize is that as a society, we can actually call a wellness check on a friend mm-hmm. that we're concerned about. And a wellness, explain, yeah, yeah so a wellness check is basically calling, uh, not calling, well, you can call 911 if you don't have any other way to do it, but calling um, the, if it's a county, the sheriff's office, if it's a city, it's the police. Local law enforcement. Uh, local law enforcement. In most places, so I know in Colorado Springs, I'm really, really proud of this, that we have a crisis, uh, mental health crisis response mm-hmm. team, uh, a unit uh, from the sheriff's office, um, that will go out with a, a deputy and a mental health professional. And the deputy has been trained in all these kinds of things, uh, crisis intervention, mental health, first aid, all this kind of stuff. And they'll go and, and just check on somebody to make yeah. sure they're okay. Now, Dr. Mayfield, I'm afraid that if I call my friend that, uh, for a wellness check, they're going to get arrested. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good, <laughs> nice, nice acting there. Um, the, the, uh, so I was talking to Officer John Hammond, who is uh, with the, uh, not officer, he hurt me on that one, uh, Deputy <laughs> John Hammond, who's a part of the sheriff's office, and he's part of the mental health unit here in Colorado Springs. They had, I think, close to 700 calls last year that they responded to, and 1% resulted in being arrested. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, most of what he said, the arrests were made because of outstanding warrants, not because of the active mental health crisis. So that's also really cool. So if you're, if your area, this is where you do research. If your area, wherever you are in the country or the world, uh, has, you know, a mental health crisis response team, what does that look like? Um, but to be honest, when you call 911, they're not going to just send out the police. They're going to send out fire paramedic that's just the standard protocol yep. and typically uh you know the you can share with them here's what i'm concerned about mm-hmm. here's what I, I need you to look at because i can't get there and um and be as specific as you can yeah and the the uh standard is the transportation to the hospital yeah the, the best thing though to do is to take him to the hospital yourself if mm-hmm. you can yeah um, one other thing that I think is important to talk about is um, maybe a little bit of how we are communicating with that person. Because uh, I think like we'll have a list of resources in the description. We'll also have a few at the end of this uh, episode as well for crisis and emergency. Though emergency we talked about is more immediate and, yes. and uh, extreme action. Yep. If teenager comes up to you and says, Hey, I'm having these thoughts about killing myself. I don't really want to, but I'm really scared about what I'm feeling or, or thinking facing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it feels like that would be an easier option than what I'm going through. What do we say to that? Well, I think it goes back to some of our other conversations about being curious, asking questions, getting an understanding of their world and what they're facing right now, uh, asking them what they need from you in mm. that moment. I think a lot of times is a big deal because it empowers them to say, I just need you to listen mm. or I need you to validate or, you know, I need advice. Uh, but I think some of the biggest problems we find is that we jump into advice mode and they don't need that. They just need yeah. to be heard. And even if it makes us feel uncomfortable, this is where you know emotional intelligence is so uh, extremely important for us as adults, is that when we sit with somebody that is 
struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take on some of that stuff. And so how do we process that ourselves yeah. without needing to fix it in the moment? And I know a lot of uh, teenagers specifically that, that go, I just need somebody to listen, to tell me that I'm okay, that I'm not, in their terms, crazy. Right. You know, I'm not... Uh, whatever yeah. yeah well and even normalizing suicidal thoughts not in a way that says like oh yeah that you should be feeling that way sure. or like yeah that's that's fine you that's fine but in a way that says like you know what what you're going through is really hard and it makes sense that this would seem like an easy way yeah uh or you know there's a lot of people that do feel that way you're not alone in it and and that can have some comfort because sometimes teenagers especially won't say anything because they think they're alone in it. They think that they may be the only person that they know who's ever had these thoughts. And that can be really scary. Well, and I think also, so along with that, right? So normalizing it in the sense that you're not alone, I think creates a lot of cognitive dissonance, Mm -hmm. like a lot of space margin. Um, But one thing I found that was really interesting that parents were like, really, you can do that? Don't give them permission. Hmm. You don't have permission to kill yourself. There are other ways to deal with this. There's a lot of teenagers that are like, oh, really? You know, I didn't. I thought this was yeah. my only out. Well, it's because our society has taught us this. I mean, to 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 freak people out for a second, uh, you can Google a hundred ways to die without feeling it. Yep. Right. And and our our kids are, have access to this kind of stuff, and they might they think that's the only option, and so they want to they want to do it in a way that's not going to be painful. But guys telling them you don't have permission to kill yourself and there's other ways there's other options that's not an option that's not an option this sucks but it's not an option that uh, creates so much dissonance and something that happens to an individual who is actively suicidal yes is this sort of tunnel vision where yeah that is the only option i thought i thought it was else right you thought it was i thought it was right i mean yeah absolutely and and it wasn't so much that it was like a cognitive choice of yeah i am going to complete suicide because i don't want to do anything else it was i have no other option there's no other opportunity for me to get out of this situation other than let me rephrase that for a second yes you're right from your perspective i don't know of any other options i don't see any other options um, and I think that's where we can help our teenagers go. That's I, I be careful of saying I understand because you're not in their shoes. Right. I think you can say I, I can see how that feels that way right now. And let me help you explore other options. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think in our, our minds, at least in my mind, and I know your mind, too, it was like, you know, what else is there? But yeah. it's because of our our cognitive development. We're not able to effectively see more than like a foot around us. Right. And the extraordinary distress. Yes. So when somebody comes in and says, you know, I can understand why you might feel that way. Let's talk about some other options. What, what would happen if you didn't? Right. Like what, what, what do you think things would be like in like an hour if you didn't or two days or, two or, three, days, days, yeah. or three days or two minutes and, and like, Hey, what if you come over and we just have dinner together first? And talk, and this is where I think goes back to our suicide prevention curriculum that we've created with mm-hmm. uh, Education for a Lifetime. Is this just how do we impart love, value, and need into our kid in that moment? Yeah. Now, or anybody that comes to us, yeah, I, I think that's it is so simple, but it's so powerful. Love, value, and need. If we can hone in on a couple of those, or even one of those, it gets them thinking about oh, oh. I am needed. Yeah. You know, my sister needs me. My brother, your story, my, my, my brother needs me, my, you know, uh, and we don't really think 
about that in the moment. Yeah. And so being reminded of those things is huge. Yeah. And remember too, not to do this alone, even as counselors, fully licensed counselors in private practice, don't go about this situation alone. There's always more voices in the conversation and more supports that we're trying to surround this individual with. So whether you're a high school student who's talking to a peer or a parent talking to your child or a trusted adult talking to a a kid or or an adult friend, don't do it alone. Don't, Don't kind of lone ranger this sort of conversation. No, because it, it can feel very isolating. And, yeah. and so to break the stigma around these conversations is when we do these things in community and are not ashamed or afraid to go, I need help. Let's figure this out. And my kid is or my neighbor kid is or, you know, I have a, a kid at youth group or a kid at whatever, you yeah. know. Uh, and I know I'm very aware that we're just talking about teenagers right now, you mm-hmm. know, 10 to 18 year olds. And I'm very aware that in our country, um, the suicide rate among 19 to 36 year olds is really high as well. So this can, in a lot of ways, can apply to a, a wide range of individuals uh, as we have those conversations. But um, yes, don't go it alone and uh, do your research. Mm-hmm. And if that means, you know, um, you know, reading just, just because you want to know more, reading my book when it comes out, or or looking at the suicide prevention websites and, and their articles that they have there, or they're you know going to a national NAMI site, you mm-hmm. know where it talks about different different resources and family supports. I mean, do your research, and I think that will help you. Uh, explore and, and be more comfortable with this yeah. topic too. And if you want more uh, information, you feel free to uh, contact us, candid at mayfieldcounseling.com. Uh, one other thing before we end, I want to give out the uh, National Suicide Hotline, which is both for call and text, and you don't necessarily have to be actively suicidal to reach out to this number. Um, they will uh, respond to you in a, in a responsive way, <laughs> uh, whether or not that's the case. Uh, and the number is 1-800-273-8255. I'll put it down and at the bottom as well. You can also call the Colorado Crisis uh, Services here in Colorado. It's one 493 8255 one 493 8255 or you can text TALK to 38255. TALK to 38255. And you're going to actually get connected to a professional counselor when you do that in Colorado here. And it's a new uh, resource that is just, it's fantastic. Yeah. And if you're in crisis or you know somebody who's in crisis and just need a counseling resource, uh, feel free to reach out to us as well. 719-453-4803. We would love to connect you with a therapist here and give you the support that you need or the support that a friend needs as well. Yeah. Thanks for joining us in this topic. Thank you for joining Candid Conversations. If you would like more information, you can email candid at mayfieldcounseling.com or call 719-452-4803.